You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, a place where we practice a deep and authentic welcome, where we listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and a place where with humility, courage, and compassion, we act for justice in the world. To learn more, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. may it be. Thank you for joining me in song. Please have a seat. You all, we are sounding good together. I love this. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to this community of love and hope where people have been coming for generations for nourishment and care and inspiration. We gather together in person and online to practice what it is to be an intentional community together to be spiritual community on purpose. We are extending a special welcome as always to everyone who is joining us online. We're so glad you are with us. You might wanna prepare yourself today if you have a candle nearby to gather it before our chalice lighting. We are gathering together today in person and online in the midst of the Jewish High Holy Days with Rosh Hashanah and the celebration of the new year behind us and Yom Kippur, the day of atonement ahead of us. And we join with our Jewish siblings with placing our trust in the cycles of celebration and hope, repair and transformation in these days of awe. My name is Jen Crow. I'm one of your ministers here at First Universalist, and it is an absolute joy to be able to welcome our new assistant minister, Ashley Harness, to the congregation today. <laughs> Reverend Ashley is with us half time and she'll be focusing her attention on nurturing our online community and supporting us in worship and in pastoral care. We are so very glad that you are here with us. Universalism means that we are all welcome and wanted, all of us whole and holy and worthy just the way we are, even as we all have work to do to grow. Here at this church, we believe in the spirit of love and hope. We trust in the cycles of giving and receiving and growing together. And we put our faith into action with some very specific spiritual practices. We listen deeply to where love is calling us next. We welcome, affirm, and protect the light in each and every human heart. And we act with humility and courage and compassion to create a more just and equitable world. We believe that the transformation of the world and the transformation of ourselves are intimately interconnected, and we commit to creating spaces of liberation and joy and love within ourselves 
among each other in our relationships and beyond these walls. We make room for our whole selves here in this space or wherever we are, which includes our bodies. So if you need to move around wherever you are or wiggle or make some noise, it is okay. We are glad you are here exactly as you are. Feel free to use this space. We remember here in person that COVID-19 is still with us, so we ask everyone to mask in the building unless you're speaking from the pulpit or leading our singing or eating or drinking down in the social hall. Also, there is a community dinner this coming Wednesday night, so please join us for that. If you know you're coming, please RSVP. You can find the links on our website, but it's a great opportunity. It's intergenerational. Everybody is welcome to join together for dinner Wednesday night here at church. Now, as we look out ahead to next week, I want to take, I want to invite you to take what you had on your calendar for Sunday afternoon off, which I'm sure was to come here for the concert to celebrate the arrival of our new Steinway piano. I want you to take that off your calendar and hold it and it will get put back on your calendar a little bit later. We need to postpone the concert for a little bit as we regroup and as we deal with some unforeseen circumstances, but we'll be rescheduling that as soon as possible, and we appreciate your patience while we do that. Steinway is still here. You don't have to take that off your calendar. <laughs> Very much still here. Our religious education classes for children and youth have started. There's still time to register if you haven't already, or kids and youth are welcome in our classes. For adults, check out the Get Connected flyer for other ways to get connected here too. It is a joy to get to lead worship today with Reverend Ashley, with Franco, with Dr. Glenn Thomas. We're grateful to Jen and John and Sound Booth and AV Tech back there to make everything work. Big thanks to our visual arts team for the ever-evolving artscape behind me right now, where you can check out any small changes that are happening week to week. And today marked a major milestone for us here at First Universalist. After 11 months, we finally had every usher and greeter slot filled today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It makes a difference to arrive and be welcomed with a smile and uh, to know that we are waiting for you. So big thank yous to Sarah and Rochelle, to Jane, Sarah, Jack, Marie, Janine, and Joan for being our ushers and greeters today. Let's welcome ourselves to this space now. Let's take a moment to arrive. I'm always putting my feet squarely on the floor for me. Chance to remember being present in my body. A chance to settle in and make yourself comfortable however you do that. And then if you'd like to, I invite you to breathe with me on purpose with a deep breath in and a slow breath out. A deep breath in and a slow breath out. And one more at your own pace, breathing in and breathing out. from this space of connection. We remember that we are connected across time, from past to present to future, that the place where we are 
here in the sanctuary or wherever we are. This place was inhabited for thousands of years and is inhabited still by members of the native nations of the land. And we commit ourselves to learning the larger stories of the people and the beings of this land, to truth-telling and to repair. And I invite us to join in the lighting of our chalice today. Charlie will light for us and we will say the words together. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love and to help one another. Good morning. Good morning. It is so wonderful to be here with you finally. I promised my little ones watching at home I'd say hi. So hi, August. Hi, Lulu. <laughs> Listen to mommy. I think they need to be welcome too. So can we give them a wave? Everybody, hi, August. Hi. Hi, Angela. <laughs> that was so sweet. Anyway, speaking of August, she asked me recently, she said, Mama, how many brains do I have? I said, just one. And she goes, then why does Gammy say I have so many brains? <clears throat> Excuse me. And I said, I think she's trying to tell you she thinks you're smart. That's silly, she said. And then she goes, Okay, so how many hearts do I have? And they said, well, just one also. Do you know where it is? And she kind of looked down. So we spent the next few minutes trying to find our hearts. It made us both giggle and feel a little bit awkward. So I'm gonna invite you to giggle and feel a little bit awkward right now as you try and find your own heartbeat. Can you find it? Sometimes it's easier to feel it up here. What does it feel like? Mine's going ba boom, ba boom, ba boom. You're new, you're new. Ba boom, ba boom, ba boom. <laughs> Sometimes it's like a drum beat. Sometimes it's like a clock ticking, if you remember that sound, not just the sound of your phone dinging. Anyway, we're going to spend a little time this morning listening to our heartbeat during our story time, both literally and spiritually. As Adrian Marie Brown says, my heartbeat is a thousand ancestors clapping. A thousand ancestors clapping the rhythm for me, singing, don't waste it, don't hoard it, don't wait. Be here now, don't rush. It's a dance, it's your life. There's enough. I love that, I love her. So, now's the part where we do it together, literally, again. So if you're online, put your laptop down, off your lap. If you are here, make some space around you. Stand up if you want to, sit down if you want to, but you need enough space to do this. 
This is where the metaphor ends and you actually do it. Feel around you. Try not to touch somebody unless it's consensual. All right. Here we go. So we're going to use, I learned this body prayer using the language of God. If that language is not your language, that's cool. You can use it in your head. Any word that holds wholeness for you. Love, trust, joy, laughter, revolution, whatever it is. If you do this another time, use that word. But this morning, we're going to use the word ancestors in honor of Adrienne Marie Brown. So we're going to talk about feeling our way to the ancestors. So repeat after me. I notice ancestors above me. Ancestors below me reach all the way down. Ancestors around me stretch all the way out. This one's tricky. Ancestors behind me. Ancestors before me. And I notice ancestors within me. Let's do it one more time together. Ancestors above me. Ancestors below me. Ancestors around me. Ancestors behind me. Ancestors before me. Ancestors within me. You feel that? That's the sound of hundreds of thousands of our collective ancestors clapping. This is not abstract. Each and every one of those people around you, behind you, in front of you, are holding those ancestors clapping. If you're at home, and maybe there's not other people around, each of the creatures around you, the plants, are holding the clapping of the ancestors. Let us carry them with us. Let us notice them as we feel our hearts this morning. Amen. Rhythmic ancestors with you. Uh, the hymn uh, needs every bit of clapping we can get. The hymn is Lean on Me. And uh, let's, let's set each other up for some success. There's a part that goes, could you get us into that key? Yeah, yeah, thank, okay. There's a part that goes, you just call on me brother when you need a hand, okay? And the, and the hand markings change right at that point. It goes like this. You just call on me brother when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. I just might have a problem that you'd understand. We all need somebody to lean on, lean on me. When you're not strong, see? See, okay? All right, we got it? We got it? Okay, yes, no, maybe so. Oh, I heard a maybe so. You just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. I just might have a problem.
that you'd understand. Lead on me, somebody to lean on, lean on me. When you're not, oh, you got it. Okay, okay, okay. Rise with me. Let's sing the whole thing. in our lives. Here we go. Sometimes in our lives, we all have pain. We all have pain. We all have sorrow. We all have sorrow. But if we are wise, but, but if we are wise, we know that there's, we know that there's always, always tomorrow. Lean on me, lean on me when you're not Carry on. 
I love singing together. Oh. So friends, every time we gather wherever we are, here in the sanctuary or at home, we are all about spiritual growth and transformation. That is why we are here together. It is why we gather for individual and collective growth. So this happens wherever we are, whether we're gathered in the sanctuary or whether we are in religious education classrooms as children and youth and adults, it is happening all over the building and all over the world, which is awesome. So in just a moment, I'm gonna invite the sixth to 12th graders and their teachers and advisors to leave first, followed by the kindergartners through fifth graders. We do this so we've got a decent traffic flow out there as we make our way through the building. We are all about this work of spiritual growth and transformation. And I invite our sixth through 12th graders who are heading to their classes to go ahead and do so now. If you're new and you don't know where you're supposed to go or who you're supposed to meet up with, Lauren is over here. You can see her and connect with her and she'll help you find your way. You can also follow the river if you're here of people. All right, kindergarten through fifth grade, now is your moment. Head out to the narthex, just through these doors, you'll see your teachers there with signs. Again, if you're new, just go find your, find Lauren out there, find the teachers, follow the river of welcoming faces. If you sing that song right, you'll have it in your head and in your heart for 14 days. Uh, that's how you know. That's how you know. Uh, you're, you're, uh, you know, uh, you have to check out in Cub. Lean on me when you're not strong. There is more love somewhere. There is more love somewhere. And I'm gonna keep on till I find it. There is more. There is more joy 
2016, uh, which sounds like forever ago now, certainly an entire world ago. In 2016, I had the fortune of being in Columbus, Ohio for uh, a week for the Unitarian Universalist Association of Congregations General Assembly. So many of us get together, and I had the opportunity to lead um, a whole bunch of us in that song. There is more love somewhere, and I'm going to keep on till I find it. I remember after all uh, of that leading and being in front of that, that many people, uh, what usually happens for me um, happened again. Um, many of you don't know or don't yet believe that I am a deep, deep introvert. <laughs> a deep, deep, deep introvert. Um, and uh, I remember what happened in the hallway outside of that worship service, which is um, I I took the occasion of turning, uh, of turning back into, into Glenn. <laughs> and I remember a voice of someone who was clearly an extrovert and clearly a morning person <laughs> from across the hall. You know the sound. Dr. Rideout! I was jolted back into my church posture. And we began a discussion. She wanted to know uh, if I had known the song, there is more love right here. There is more love right here. She said, I love singing it this way. I'm going to keep on, because I found it. There is more love right here. And I looked at her smile, and I could tell it came from a story, and it came from joy welling up in her heart. And she said, she said, why don't we sing it that way all the time? And this is the Unitarian Universalist sacrament is the question. This is what opens conversation and breeds understanding and wisdom, the question. And so I was able to thank her for the question and ask her into a conversation. I said, for the people who sing, there is more love somewhere. For those people, love 
even though it is their birthright, is not always their life experience. That we need to get in touch, into relationship with those who cannot take for granted the presence of love, justice, fairness, liberation all around them. That song is not about you, I said. But it is an opportunity for us to get close to an experience that is beyond our own. I said, black lives matter to us. But if we want to start mattering to black lives, it will start when we begin to understand what it's like to live in this same very world and to need to pray for the reality of love to visit your bank account, for the reality of love to visit your school system, to visit your grocery store. And so I ask you into a moment of prayer and meditation. One, to get in touch with yourself again. I welcome you to commune with your own body and the sense of love that is right here. And I ask that you join me in making that only the first step of this prayer. That we use our woven love, our woven community to extend our heart's reach beyond where justice is finding a way, beyond where love already is home. This is the way we make community on purpose. This is the way empathy teaches us to love more deeply, more widely, beyond what we know right now. So just a few moments of quiet keeping in the ways that we do, in the ways that your body does. I will touch the floor to keep me grounded. A few moments of silence. I'll watch the clock. I invite you not to rush as you return from the silence.
Open my heart to all that I seek. Let me be part of the love you give. Open my heart to all that I seek. Let me be part of the love you give. Open my heart to all that I seek. Let me be part of the love you give. Open my heart to all that I seek. Let me be part of the love you give. We pray with all who pray. We keep silence with all who keep silence. We are relieved with all who are relieved. And we pray again with all who are praying and those who have not thought yet to pray. In this tapestry of community, I invite you, if you would have us hold something in care, to speak that aloud right now, wherever you are, to type it, to help us share your joy and your sorrow. To all these names, for all these names, for all of us connected, we pray, we celebrate, we work to hold you in care. And we pray for all of us that there be more love to find. We pray that the addictions might lose their grip within us, that joy might find its way through us, that we might find the courage to embody a spirit of wholeness and connection, and that healing might find each one of our spirits and souls. So may it be. Amen. Sing in my
the stirrings of compassion blow in the wind rise in the sea move in the hand giving life the shape of justice rules hold me close wings set me free spirit of life come to me So may it be among us. Amen. One of the ways we create more love in the world is by engaging in these cycles of giving and receiving and growing together, by sharing what we have with each other so that together we all have enough. So today we will engage in that spiritual practice of giving and receiving and growing and sharing. And as always, I remind us, if this is a time when you need to receive, if you are experiencing a financial struggle or emotional or spiritual struggle, please reach out to one of the staff. We are here to support each other. And if this is a time where you have financial resources to give, the majority of our offering today will go to support Twin Cities Habitat for Humanity. We believe that everyone deserves a safe place to call home. And we know that a stable home provides strength and stability that can help break the generational cycles of poverty. Twin Cities Habitat for Humanity is one of our community partners for faithful action. And they are committed to building the quality of life, of health and economic prosperity of the seven county metro region by producing and preserving and advocating for affordable home ownership. We hope that you will give as generously as you are able as we work together to create a better future.
So friends, somehow it is October and somehow the seasons are turning again. And here we are and as this turn happens, so we turn into a new worship theme for us here at church. October, our theme together is you can count on this. You can count on this. And I have been looking forward to this ever since we lined this up because I love knowing what I can count on. <laughs> Makes me so happy. <laughs> and so just so you know what's going on, as we progress through this month, we'll be exploring this theme of you can count on this through a variety of different lenses. So today we're exploring it through the heart lens. Next week it'll be body, then mind, then space, then practice. So we'll be coming at this, you can count on this in many different ways. And I'll tell you, figuring out what I count on is what I go to first when I'm in any kind of challenging situation. Anytime things are hard or I have a decision ahead of me, one of the first things you will hear me do is say, what do we know for sure? What, what can I count on here? And I get my facts lined up. What do I know for sure? And then I quickly follow that with what are the guiding principles or commitments that I'm going to use to navigate through this challenging situation or the decisions that are ahead of me. You have probably watched me do some of this over the years. What do we know for sure? What are our principles? We'll move from there. I've used this in all kinds of different situations from the racial justice uprisings here in Minneapolis to the pandemic to decisions about what we do with the building through the renovations. What do we know for sure? What do we value? Then we move. It was really, really helpful and continues to, me, to be for me this practice to know without a doubt that we prioritize people over property, that we prioritize things like the folks who are most impacted first, that we care for those who are most vulnerable first. These things help me orient myself and make good decisions. When we had to make one million decisions about how to renovate the building, one of the principles that I used and we developed together was, we're not gonna spend a whole bunch of money on spaces that aren't accessible to everyone. Super clear, very helpful, okay. So what do we know for sure? These things can be very helpful guides for us. So today, as we consider what we can count on about our hearts, I have just two things that I count on. There are probably more, but these are the two I'm telling you about today through stories. What do we know for sure about our hearts? What do I know for sure about my heart and I think about our collective hearts? One, it's already broken. And two, the heart left open will heal itself. These two things. It's already broken. The heart left open will heal itself. So I'll start with a story. My wife Loretta and I moved here in 2012 from New York. And when we made that decision to move, we decided we were gonna get rid of most of our possessions. We were gonna be on the road for a couple months in the in-between time anyway. And when we arrived here, we would rebuild kind of our life and ourselves and what we needed. We would take some stock. So when we arrived here in Minnesota, we didn't have much in the way of furniture and in particular, in our living room, we had a couple of camp chairs and that was about it. 
So I have these great pictures of us eating ice cream on camp chairs in our living room that I love. And we started slow in accumulating things. We wanted to do it on purpose. The first thing we decided that we needed was a dining room table. I was imagining that this dining room table would be basically the heart of our house, the centerpiece of our house. It would be the place where we ate meals together and did homework together and paid bills. It was gonna be the place where we would look back on it years later and know that this was the spot where all of those everyday moments that actually make up a life happened. So the table arrived just a couple of days before my son Henry's fifth birthday, and we were so excited because we needed a place to put the food and to welcome people into our home. So my wife Loretta was in the kitchen when the tons of pizza boxes arrived for Henry's fifth birthday party, and I greeted the pizza delivery person at the door and brought everything in, and I laid those hot pizza boxes right on our brand new dining room table. And my wife looks out from the kitchen and begins screaming, <laughs> understandably, in not really a hard way, but just a get the boxes, get the boxes, knowing that the heat could be melting the finish on our very brand new table. We scooped them up, moved the boxes into the kitchen for serving, and the surface of the table was just fine. But a friend of ours turned to us and said something really important that day. She said, what if you just tell yourself it's already broken? What if you just say it's already broken? You know it's going to happen anyway, she said. It's going to get nicked and dinged. Your floors are going to get scratched. This house is going to get messed up. That table is going to get scratched and broken. What if you just said it's already broken? I've been using this phrase to help me calm down in many situations over, that, over time since this came about. I say it when I see a nice glass of cold water on that same table and the ring forming around it on the wood. I say it when my kids are super gluing something directly on the surface. When we drop a plate or a glass and I trust that sometimes it can be knit back together and that always it was never about this thing being perfect anyway. I've been using this phrase, it's already broken, when it comes to relationships and communities with our hearts. What if we just said, it's already broken? What if we knew, without a doubt, that in any relationship of depth we are in, we are going to do harm from time to time? We're going to hurt each other. Our hearts are going to be broken. What if we knew without a doubt that our institutions were already broken? Certainly we know the way that we have cared for our planet is broken. What if we said it's already broken? And rather than live in the fear of the heartbreak, live in the cycle of repair, of hope, of possibility, of how we are together next. Now I say this and I know that heartbreak is no small thing. When our hearts are broken, it hurts. It hurts so much. To lose trust, to lose faith, to have someone we care about do something that hurts us, to know that we have done something that hurts another person, 
There is so much suffering in that. To look at the reality of the world we are in, to know that there are systems in place, a whole American culture in place designed to break particular people, people of color, women, queer people, transgender people, disabled people. There are systems in place working exactly as they were intended to break the bodies and spirits of people. Our hearts are broken. I hate to say it, but there is no way around it. I know that for sure. So the question isn't if our hearts will be broken, but what we are going to do about it. Reverend Arif shared a reading last week from Louise Erdrich, and I'm gonna share it again today because it is so important. She writes, life will break you. Nobody can protect you from that, and being alone won't either, for solitude will also break you with its yearning. You have to love, you have to feel. It's the reason you are here on earth. You have to risk your heart. You are here to be swallowed up, and when it happens that you are broken or betrayed or left or hurt or death brushes too near, let yourself sit by an apple tree and listen to the apples falling all around you in heaps, wasting their sweetness. Tell yourself that you tasted as many as you could. I love this reading. And I did, in fact, take myself directly to the apple orchard after service last Sunday. We got a bunch of sweet tangos. They're so good. And I will say, too, I had some resistance when I first heard this reading. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to risk your heart. What if it hurts too much? What if I need space? What if I can't? And I remind myself, it's okay to go at whatever pace we need to, to retreat sometimes, to protect our broken hearts. It's okay to do this any way we can. But for me, I trust in this second thing, that the heart left open will heal itself. I trust that as much as it hurts sometimes. Some of you know that we had a house fire in 2016, and after that, the Reverend Kate Tucker, who's Minister Emerita here, accompanied me for a lot of that process, and she kept bringing me poems, which was awesome. She brought me one poem in particular that I have in different places all over my house, and it's called Not Without Longing by Karen Benke. And it goes like this. Come, rest inside this house you left to travel so far. Home now, the braided rope of the past, no longer anything you must look for or save. The heart left open will heal itself as the new moon rises. The heart left open will heal itself. I believe this. I had a very physical experience of this when I was 12. It was a time when my appendix had ruptured and I got very sick very fast. By the time I got to the hospital, I was in so much pain that I had totally given up on caring about what was about to happen next because it had turned out that there was this infection raging inside of me that was moving at a pretty quick rate. 
and it turned out that my best hope for surviving this was an extensive surgery. And I didn't find out until later that part of what they would have to do was leave that really big wound open for several days with the hope of letting it heal from the inside out. Now, I'd never heard of anything like this before, but after the surgery, there the nurses were, coming in like clockwork, irrigating the wound and changing the bandages. I had a tube down my nose that took things out from the inside, and the nurses were washing away everything they could from the outside. These forces of clearing and cleaning, of hoped-for healing, were being applied from all directions, and my body began to work again, returning me ultimately to health in time. Now, it took weeks for me to be brave enough to actually look down at my own body because this was terrifying. Also, my brother came in once while they were cleaning things and then uh, he had a lot to say. <laughs> but I will say, when I finally looked down at that big scar, there it was, all closed up. My body had knit itself back together again from the inside out. For me, this lived experience, along with this piece of poetry from Reverend Kate, the heart left open will heal itself. I trust these things. I trust this way of healing. When there's a break in my heart or a break in a relationship or a break in community, I believe that healing is possible, sometimes from the inside out. But if we are to heal that way, we do need certain things to be true. We need, if possible, to stop the harm, to clear the infection, to irrigate the wound. We need space to re-regulate ourselves, to calm ourselves, to arrive back in our bodies. We need to ask for and accept the help. We need space and time. We need to allow our body and spirit and heart to do its work, even if it isn't fast. We need to engage in those cycles of repair and restoration, of celebration and hope. We don't have to do any of this perfectly. We are not perfect people, and universalism does not ask us to be perfect. It asks us to be in relationship. It asks us to take seriously the harm that we cause ourselves and each other. It asks us to be in a process of mutual repair and restoration to know that we are not perfect and we will need to repair again and again and again. It's already broken. A heart left open will heal itself. I know these things for sure. And so together, let's turn our attention to repair, to the cycles of celebration and hope and restoration. And I'll invite us to join together in a song as our way of closing this together. So you're going to find number 1037 in your teal hymnal. There's a song in here that's also a reading in the back of your gray hymnal, number 1037. It's a litany of atonement written by the Reverend Rob Eller Isaacs, who's a dear friend and mentor for me. And he wrote this so that Unitarian Universalism might be able to wrestle with repair and restoration. So in just a moment, Glenn Thomas will teach you the chorus, and I'll, well, we'll just do that, go ahead. <laughs> it goes like this. 
We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again in love. Will you sing it with me? We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again. For each time that our fears have made us rigid and inaccessible. We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again For each time we have struck out in anger without just cause. We forgive ourselves and each other. For each time that our greed has blinded us to the needs of others, we forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again For the selfishness that sets us apart and alone, we forgive ourselves and each other. We For falling short of the abnimitions of the spirit. We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again. For losing sight of our unity. We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin. For those and for so many acts, both evident and subtle, which have fueled the illusion of separateness. We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again. May we forgive ourselves and each other and begin again and again in love. May it be so. Amen. Will you rise? Let's sing once more. As we go, where you go, I will go. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ, that's F I R S T U N I V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. 
To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.